Hi, yeah, and welcome to another um, talk on diversity. Um, this one's really interesting. I'm really looking forward to this as well. So I've got uh, a good friend of mine, Dave Dye, on the line. Hey, Dave, you all right? I'm very good. You're building me up a bit too much. Anxious, <laughs> but it's going to be really interesting. We haven't said anything yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm because we're going to talk about like the history of advertising as well, and then yeah. how we relate that to to today. And I don't know. I think history was probably the only thing I liked at school. Was it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, for, for the listeners, do you want to quickly intro yourself? Um, yeah, what can I say? I mean, it, again, uh, I'm feeling anxious for all sorts of reasons. Firstly, that you've set it up as a talk on diversity, and I'm a 50-something white male, uh, which doesn't make me sound very diverse. Um, <laughs> and what do I, so I'm, I've sort of spent about 30-odd years being a creative in London. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work with some good agencies, like Abbott Mead Vickers and uh, DDB, which was BMP DDB when I was there, um, Mother, all sorts of places really, and then set up a couple myself. My latest one is called Love or Fear because they're the sort of two, because it's about emotions really, that it's everything's gone so um, uh, techy, tech-based, rather than human-based, that they're the two emotions that drive people to do things. So that was what we called it. Cool, nice. And um, for those who don't know, check out check out Love and Fair. I think everyone's talking about. There's a lot of indie agencies out there that shout a lot, and you guys actually don't shout a lot. But I think you're the the work you're producing is is just the best out there at the moment well, as well. Excellent judge. As I've always said, yeah. to, <laughs> when his name comes up. I say he's a, one of the best judges out there. Uh, <laughs> we probably should shout more. Really, I, it's funny a few people say say that. Why don't you, you know? Uh, I, I I feel slightly uh, I'm sounding like a nervous wreck. Keep saying I feel anxious, but um, when lots of people say really proud to have done this trade ad for um some processed cheese and whatever, and you think God, I don't know, do you want to be online doing that all the time? So I, I you know, I suppose I'm from the generation of where your work is supposed to talk for itself, but I'm aware yeah. that I've got to do more than that. I've got to sort of try and. Uh, it's, sweet it out more because I'm sure you'll yeah. be the first to, to tell me and you often are funny. <laughs> do your social media for your day yeah. <laughs> Dave runs an amazing podcast um, and the most interesting blog in advertising and we've had loads of conversations in the past about diversity obviously it's a talk subject but the part of diversity which a lot of people don't talk about and I think it's important is working class, people from working class backgrounds um, coming into the industry and shaking it up. And after the war, there's a lot of history and there's a really good um, documentary called The Men from the Agency that everyone should watch. It's on YouTube. But after the war, it was quite an upper class industry. There was a lot of um, ex-majors in the industry. There was a lot of um, people from top universities and then all of a sudden things changed in the 60s and and I was just wanted to chat to you Dave about who who were those agencies that changed it yeah. um that made it more well sort of yep. and... I've got to point out that I wasn't there in the 60s <laughs> I got, I'm 
mere kids who got into it in the eighties. But um, I think, well, as I, uh, advertising, as you say, it was um, supposedly in the, the before the sixties, it was very much sort of sergeant majors becoming account men and um, poets as copywriters and artists as designing stuff as a sort of generalization and a bit of a cliche it was kind of like that and then in the 60s with the sort of cultural revolution that that allowed people like the Beatles to break through and uh, David Bailey to break through in photography and, and all these kind of working class oics kind of came through with their own ideas and that that happened in advertising in a big way so you would have agencies like CDP, particularly probably the best agency in London in the sixties, would have a much more, rather than these kind of posh guys in bowler hats travelling in from Surbiton to put their ads together, you would get people like uh, Alan Parker from Islington, a working class kid from Islington, Rocker Flats in Islington, or uh, Charles Sarchi was. In fact, I think he's he was quite wealthy but an uh, Iranian uh, guy his parents were Iranian I think or Iraqi yeah. was it Iraqi yeah. or Iranian Iranian I think Iranian. he was second generation immigrant um, yeah. and uh, it, it was much more I think I can't remember whether it's in that documentary puzzle you just mentioned but there's one of the things I've read or it's in that documentary but that one of the guys says at the time that um, if you were sort of working class there was two ways to out of it which was boxing or advertising and there must have been other options but that was one of the things that if you were sort of creative and you could draw at school and college and you were working class there was a possibility of being creative in ad agencies and at the time getting lots of money you know you, they would have you see pictures of some of the ad guys in the 60s and they'd be driving e-type jags and um, yeah. it was all very glamorous and well paid and and uh, yeah was it the glamour that attracted how did like people from working class backgrounds find out about it or how did they get into the industry yeah that's a good question and what led that i don't know i think that it, I, I would imagine that um a lot of the barriers came down across the board really um mm. so whereas these ind these industries would have been closed off uh and working class people were sort of forced into certain types of jobs um as culture changed the the i would imagine that agencies would have to look further for how they were going to deal with this rapidly changing culture and and getting you know some army sergeant to uh, do ads that may be talking to the carnaby street crowd wouldn't work so it's a sort of probably the perfect storm of um of culture changing agencies needed to figure out how they spoke to a different generation and that generation also not accepting the previous rules i would, I would guess yeah so you so you originally from is it east end bethnal green yeah yeah bethnal green how did you come across it advertising uh yeah how did i come across it well i think for anyone my age you know the sort of the, the age the tv generation where you get plonked in front of the tv um uh advertising was a big thing so throughout my 
or you know me and people of my generation like we or talk to say Tony Davidson or Nick Gill or people like that would all have the same thing that you could plot your childhood through various ads like uh crest the bear mainly john webster's ads to be fair crest the bear uh smash martians and there's different things and they had such big cultural effect at the time and they would you know whereas lots of ads are much more uh disliked nowadays than they were then there was a time then they were they would when they do polls they were more liked than the programs which seems ridiculous yeah. but um and not all of them because lots of them would still be rubbish but there would be real high points where things would come on people would look forward to them and they'd laugh and they'd enjoy them and and generally if they liked the interaction between the ad and what they were selling the sales of that would go up so they were culturally a much bigger thing and also there was no computers google apple tv netflix you know there was less competition so you know if a particularly funny good ad came on there's a good chance if you went to school the next day most of your friends would have seen it yeah um you know like cresta bear or sugar pups or i'm trying to think of one that john webster didn't do but i can't think of one off the moment um so they had a they had a bigger place in people's heads and hearts probably um and they were clever i think i did a, a blog post with alan parker and he said i thought it was really interesting he said he looks at banksy's work and and thinks god i remember when advertising used to be clever like that um yeah and that was his view which is sort of true so you would look at these things uh, sort of admiringly and they would be sort of respectful because they would be very entertaining and funny and they'd use the sort of you know they may use the stars from tv like tommy cooper or Morecambe and Wise, or whatever it may be, they would have uh, often they'd be shot really well by someone like Ridley Scott, who obviously now does feature. So um, they were sort of an interesting creative outlet. Um, yeah. Yeah. And do you think that's because, I mean, the people you just mentioned, Sir, Sir Alan Parker. Um, yeah, lots of. Ridley, yeah, so yeah, they've all become, they've actually all become the establishment, but. Ridley Scott was obviously from Newcastle, working background working and stuff. Across, yeah, as yeah, working. yeah. And do you think that helped because they they came from they came from culture? So I don't know if you, like I used to work with Newcastle Football Club a lot, and the culture up there is amazing. It's like, and you can see some of that in Ridley's earliest work how how their culture is and stuff. And so Alan Parker talking about like. Banksy and stuff. We used to make that. Do you think the culture, their backgrounds, changed the advertising world? Or I would have thought so. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that particularly then the view would have been that the products were for the masses, which sounds sort of demeaning a bit. But yeah. um, so if you're selling a, if you're doing an ad to go on TV for a beer. To understand who's drinking that and what it's like in those pubs and what makes them laugh and what they admire or what they're interested in or what they think about beer, it's better to have someone who's experienced that than someone yeah. who's read a document on it. Um, yeah. So I think that there probably would have been a period when those people just had their finger a bit more on the pulse of what people felt, found funny, um, 
you know, their reference points, you know, um, and I'm sure that that did, yeah, that I'm sure that did have a big change. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it did, the advertising just really worked back then as well. I remember as a kid, in the eight, well, 80s, 90s, I used to um, obviously watch all the adverts on TV and I had to go to cash and carry with my dad every day. So he had a, he had a shop. And I remember seeing a Whisper advert, and yeah. when it first launched with, um, is it? Oh, who's the two comedians? Yeah, Paul. and yeah, Smith and Jones. Yeah, and um, going in there and seeing Whisper in the um, in 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 the um, cash and carry, and there was trolleys and trolleys of people, like obviously buying all these Whispers, taking it back to their shops to sell. Oh, really? And so, They'd seen the yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because of the because of the advert, and it made so much difference. I remember once watching um, a Scotch re-record, not fade away. Yeah, yeah, with you... the skeleton. Yeah, yeah, with the skeleton, and yeah. I went to Cash and Carry, and I saw the Scotch tapes there, and I had to persuade my dad to buy them. I said, "Look, let's just buy them and see if we can sell them." He bought, I think, as a kid, this is one of my memories. He bought twenty VHS cassettes after the advert the next day, and he sold out within an hour. Really, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and the whispers, whispers were flying off the shelves. Whispers were, and I was talking like not people just buying one or two boxes of whispers. They were buying trolleys and trolleys of whispers. Really amazing. Yeah, and it felt like um, you know, it's a little bit like you see the scenes with uh, the toilet rolls a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like that, and, and it and made that, so that, much difference. Because... I wonder what um, triggered people to do that then. I'm trying to think. That was the ads. I think that they whispered in it, didn't they? And they talked about the yeah. Ads, really, there's some jokes in it, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I did a, a, a blog post a, a little while ago on the notion of why don't we just do ads that people like? You know, you yeah. design them specifically for people to like. So you make them funny. You make them different. You try and uh, which people don't ever do. You know, and it just struck me. I wrote it because. But why don't people do that? Why isn't that a goal? That if you're going to put something out there, that people really like it and it makes yeah. them laugh, and they um, like some of the ads that we've we've mentioned. But somehow, uh, when it goes wrong, and, and also what I should say is, some of the ads from back then are amazing and they still look amazing. Most would be absolutely terrible, and they probably look worse now than anything on. But um, there was really to talk about the highlights reel from the period but the highlights were the highlights were really good i think yeah. um uh yeah i think where it goes wrong is when, is when it's treated like some sort of nuclear uh physics experiment where it's all so carefully ca- calibrated and people are so anxious about each element as if everything yeah. is easily controllable uh and then you just end up with often you end up with some anemic thing that nobody even knows as as run Interesting that you know. I think there's obviously a, a huge risk that we we particularly I generalise a lot throughout this, and I'm obviously not a spokesman for working class people, yeah. but I think that um, you know from what I've read about the people who changed the industry a lot, like some of the ones we've mentioned, um, is that I, I I mean agencies are not really set up to deal with personalities like Alan Parker. Uh, yeah, for example, um, or you know, 
day trot or people who are very um, focused on a goal on making a difference rather than thinking how do we get to the end of the process so that everybody's as happy as can be how do we make this thing stand out be different and work and sometimes along the way if that's your main focus it's going to mean that you probably argue more uh you can become a bit precious uh a bit combative uh you know it's most of those people, Charles Sartre, for example, I don't think he's known for being very collaborative. Don't yeah. think they say he's oh, great, he's really collaborative and listens to everyone and you know. Um they would have their they would get their sort of hunch or their feeling and their and often they'd be proved right. Um but I think uh you've got to do a lot of other stuff. Now, you know, it's a slightly com- more complicated game and i don't i don't know whether our advertising agencies or networks would tolerate that kind of single-mindedness and consequently that probably shows in the work you know you've probably yeah. got happier groups uh less confrontational uh groups putting this stuff together um and probably more collaborative and probably the net results are very samey and less and make less difference to the um clients if you if i'm going to generalize i might as well really generalize so that would be my guess i mean i think when you read about um people from that era it's very it sounds quite aggressive and um you know lots of people from certainly who i interview from the 70s hate planners for example just don't like the idea of planners let alone any of the individuals it's like well what do you need those for yeah. Um, uh, so it's you know it's a very different it's a much more uh, I think then it was it appears to have been much more based on gut instinct and a feel for um, the public and stuff like that and obviously that links into the sort of working class thing is if you're a member of the you know if you if you were not privileged you've got more chance of talking to everyone else who's not privileged yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that makes a lot of difference, isn't it? I think what you, I think there's one word, um, a couple of words. Just you keep on hearing in a recruitment process, which I hope everyone gets rid of now, is culture fit. They're not our culture. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean then? They're just not like us. Yeah, just not like us. And I think isn't that the opposite of diversity, though? Yeah, that's it. That's I've heard that so many um, over the years. In obviously not just advertising, but different industries where people obviously haven't been hired because of like they're not the culture fit, and I think that's just that's what's that's what's causes vanilla vanillaness in yeah. in, in the industry as well, um, and because I mean, and that's what they're saying these working class aren't the right they're not that cult they're not your culture they're not the because you're middle. Do you see what I mean? Because you're middle class, so they're not going to be your culture. So I think that's a lot of things people need to to just to, f- to forget about. They need to be like your Dave Trotz, as you were saying. They need to be different. So have, have you talked to anyone who said why they're why uh, advertising has been so white through its history? And I don't know whether if you compared it to. I'm trying to think of another 
creative industry, whether it be about the same proportionately or whether it be uh, more or less white? It's more, um, it's more, it's, it's, it's across all different creative industries. So obviously the mus- um, music's a little bit different, but fashion and obviously other agencies. One of the key reasons is a lot of parents from different diversities want their kids to do well. Do you see what I mean? They want, yeah. they want them to do well in the future. They come from, so if you're talking about ethnic minorities, um, we've come from different countries and the parents have worked in factories or they worked in shops or they drive taxis and they don't want their kids to do that. So a lot of them, when they're pushing um, their kids either to be an accountant, um, doctor. yeah, doctor, pharmacist. Something more respected than advertising or... Yeah, yeah, which of industries. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting because they, and a lot, a lot of it is that they don't know the advertising industry exists as well. It's it's literally it's these things on TV, which sometimes you forward on your Sky Plus player, but um, a lot of them don't know that there's there's that really good industry there. So that's interesting. So you're, would you you would you say that's part of it or the majority of it? I think it's the majority of it. Um, that they wouldn't be encouraged to go into a business like advertising because yeah, the, the impression now and I, I know I wouldn't know what the answer is is that it, there's a sense of um, they've been kept out yeah I, I think it's a lot of there's there's a mixture isn't there there's there's um, <clears throat> there's a mixture of actually you they don't know about the industries yeah. um, there's a mixture of the parents, because a lot of it is, if you go back to, um, and this is when I worked um, for the government at launching a career service, like the Inspirational Career Service. So we did a lot of research where um, where we went up and down this, the country talking to kids in schools and parents and teachers. And a lot of your, GCS, your GCSEs are mainly chosen by your parents. Right, yeah. And then your your when you go into college or A levels, that's deterred by your GCSE results. And then it's the same for obviously university, it's deterred by your A level results. So we came across like just look, talking to people, actually thirteen and GCSE choices are the time to hit people. So if you want them to understand different industries or different yeah. career options, that's the time. And I think Obviously, a lot of agencies just we just don't have the the bandwidth to go in. Obviously, into schools, some agencies do it. Some agencies do go into schools and talk about what the industry is about. But if you're talking going in at thirteen and saying right, you need to think about art, you need to think about this or etc. Um, that that's a commitment for eight years because you're not gonna that person's not going to be looking for a job for eight years. <laughs> so you've got to sort of give that commitment for eight years and help them and support them. But what we also don't do is we don't talk about, and we don't, I, I think we need to promote our industry more, but we don't talk about, right, if you're, if you like th- this industry, this is what the industry is about. If you like it, that's really good. But actually you don't, and you're really bad at art or you're really bad. You're not, good at coming up with ideas etc actually you could work in the accounts department or you could actually work in um, account management um, because you're quite organized or you can be a project manager etc um, 
and that I think that's really interesting how we go back to the best time to educate people. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that it reminds me that most of the, uh, historically, I would have thought lots of the people in creative departments were sort of misfits. Yeah. Sense, in that they weren't the best educated or they were like people who could draw. You think, well, I'm probably not going to be an artist, but maybe you could, you know, you could get a job in advertising. So there's, you know, some art directors are amazing artists. Uh, not that that comes into it much in that job but um uh or they would be just slightly quirky or a bit or funny or but they wouldn't necessarily be the 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 most academic but yeah. the the sort of um combination of odd idiosyncrasies and skills that they would bring would be useful and i think i think it used to be that um, there were more specialists, whereas I think now you you know lots of creatives are sort of trained to be jack of all trades. So they'll sort of, you know, they'll do a bit of writing, a bit of art directing, get their document together, present it, and a bit of you know a bit of strategy, even a bit of everything, um, and dealing with the client. And there's and they do and they'll often do maybe what four different jobs would have been when I started. Um, whereas I think when I started, you could you could be just good at one thing you know just yeah. really you know supposedly paul grubb who used to work for dave trot at ggt was amazing at end lines those those kind of rhyming end lines like um hello tosh got a chichiba i think he wrote that but those kind of things these these sort of branded little succinct end lines apparently he was just amazing at that and could knock those things out whereas i think now that would probably be rather than thinking that's br that's great. He's brilliant at those, and we've got him. He did lots of other stuff, but now I think that would be. Oh no, you've got to be really good at presenting, and you've got to be really good at this, that, and the other. Um, so you get people who are less, you know, you less stand out at one particular thing, but just pretty good at lots. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which which requires a certain type of probably requires a certain type of upbringing a bit more middle class you know more polite yes less uh, yeah yeah a lot of multitasking i think um just going just going back and picking your brains and stuff um from all the from your blog and like the history stuff you, of advertising you worked on um because you are the wikipedia of advertising <laughs> 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 just um so everyone talks about um obviously you have the creative team of art directors and um copywriters but we didn't have that in the 50s before did we i mean there was no it was ddb that actually changed well people say ddb changed that but what should do you got any sort of history on ddb because obviously that was set up by people from is it the bronx and people from brooklyn and working class backgrounds well I, I, as, as, from what I understand I think um, Bill Burnback used to work at Grey's with a designer called Paul Rand who's an amazing designer probably my favourite designer yeah. um, who I think was uh, Steve Jobs favourite designer too and he yeah. used to work with him at Grey's and I think he would find that the combination of doing something together rather than this system of 
you know, someone like Bill Bermack would write something and then they'd pass it literally to another floor and a department of designers who would arrange it and do whatever they did with it. But actually doing it together, he found, meant that he would write different things and probably uh, Paul Rand would design different stuff and it would almost fuse together into one thing. Um, so I think that was a big part of setting up DDB. He wanted people to work together like that because they would come up with things that they wouldn't come up with separately. So I think that massively changed um, advertising at that point because it made things much more dynamic. They weren't quite so formulaic. Um, and when they were in the room together, you know, it was very sort of liberating, probably for both sides to, you know, the art director may say, well, what about if we just had a massive... Um, you know, we took up the whole poster with just this child crying or whatever, and then just a little line there that could talk about X or Y. The writer could help them make that work or vice versa, you know. Um, mm. uh, and I think that, yeah, that seemed to massively change uh, the kind of work that was done from then on. Yeah, and that, that, that sort of kick-started a whole new revolution in um, yeah. American advertising as well, didn't it? Yeah, and I think that the 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 the, uh, the, the talk in in New York was that it was generally Jewish writers with that sort yeah. of sassy, funny, smart ass way of talking, which was unusual at the time in advertising, and Italian yeah. art directors who had a really good sense of style. Yeah, so it's different. The, the different cultures fusing together. Yeah, which makes a difference, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, they brought different things to the table. Yeah, what's your thoughts on trying to get back to those sort of times where we bring in people with different cultures, different personalities, different from working class backgrounds, and having lots of very similar vanillary people is not helpful. Having a wider range of the way people think and and culturally and their influences would be better. How you get it, I think. It feels like it, it sort of, um, you know, it seems like it's moving from this type to that. This type gets lots of uh, chatter at the moment, and then it's this type next, and it's this type next. And I don't know whether that's helping or not. I don't know. What was it like when you joined in the 80s and 90s? The different diversity and stuff. Yeah. What was it like? Uh well, from, uh, I suppose for me, when I first got into it in 85, I wasn't in a particularly good, glamorous agency, but it was, it seemed like, uh, I guess as a working class kid, um, it seemed like the account management all seemed quite posh. Uh, they'd all go to wine bars and, and uh, they were very slony at the time was a thing. Do you know what that is, slony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh, yeah, they all seemed like posh people, and they from university. And then the uh, the crazy department was all of them. The first few that I went to were sort of, as I say, it was like a ragtag bag of misfits who were being naughty and making jokes, really, primarily. <laughs> uh, and at the time, and it obviously it's changing in a lot. But at the time, creatives didn't really go to the meetings with clients. It was as if we can't trust those to talk with clients. They might start throwing things and shouting and swearing. So uh, so it's very rare for um, 
creatives to go to client meetings. You know, I, I, it was a long time before I went to, and also I was very shy, so it was a long time before I went to uh, client meetings. We were sort of always kept out, and it's, I mean, it seems bizarre in retrospect. I like them now, but uh, whereas then you would, you know, a meeting would happen and you'd be potting around your office and someone would come in and give you the results and say, they said this, we said that. Uh, now it seems bizarre that that they would be fielding all the questions on the creative work and coming up with the rationale and all the stuff that is better that the creatives do. But um, but yeah, it was like a sort of uh, it's like detention, really. You know, it was all that it was that vibe. It was all the people in detention who would just kick around the creative department, taking a piss and uh, being naughty. It seemed, you know, someone yeah. sit out of the pub. Uh, it was just such a different the, the two departments, creative and account management, couldn't have been more different. Whereas now you can easily mistake one for the other. Any agencies now you think have that mentality and have that um, TP or DDB mentality? I don't know. There's lots of agencies doing, you know, unfortunately, it's always the same. It's always the same. I wish I could come up with some new answers. It would be the same once, you know. I think, uh, you know, same as everyone else. Wyden and Kennedy are consistently good. I really like Droga Five London. I think they're consistently good. I think Uncommon seem to be consistently doing interesting stuff uh, and trying things. I think uh, Abbott Mead still do really good stuff. Obviously, Adam and Eve. Um, who have I missed? I mean, it's, it would be the same. I probably would have said the same agencies five years ago, ten years ago, are the ones who didn't exist then. But um, I guess that you know, is, that, is that culture, I suppose. But um, so, you know, the, I think there's still uh, uh, some great stuff going on and uh, just could do with more of it, really. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah, needs to be. I think the works fall. I think the main thing is the work seems to have gone down the pecking order. You know, ironically, when I was at Abbott Mead, the the BBDO worldwide slogan was "the work, the work, the work," which I don't think we believed then. That was twenty years ago. But um, but I think it's it's just. I think you know when we talk about we early we're talking about some of those agencies like DDB in New York or CDP in London. I think it genuinely would have been the work, the work, the work, and nobody was worried about uh, anything other than was that the best thing they could make. And there'd be all sorts of fighting and stuff going on behind the scenes to get it that way. Mm. And I think now that's that's one of a number of things that they're interested in. So, if you know, certain people would think, well, you're you're only there to to create the comms that people see to help your clients. So. If it's not all about that, what is it about? You know, um, so that's the bit that interests me. I think that work, the work, the work. It's the cut. I mean, they consistently as the global network still. Oh yeah, they're very, they're very good. I think. Yeah. yeah, when I was there, there was still a bit of a uh, Abbott Mead on that side, and BBDO was the sort of big semi-sinister network that was gradually taking them over bit by bit. Yeah. Um, and that was a sort of BBDO bit. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, looking back, God, 20 years ago, they were doing great stuff. I don't know why, but it, it felt a bit, 
it felt a bit superficial. Yeah, those at the time, but um, but yeah, they've, they've been one of the best best networks by far. Anyway, cool. well, good luck 